0: My name is David, I serve as one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm just so glad you decided to join us today. As Josh talked about, we are wrapping up our series called This Is Us, uh, looking at our core values, what make us unique, what drive us as a church. Um, Every year we try to come back to these to make sure that these are still uh, informing how we act and and the things that we do, because they are just uh, that important. And uh, one fun update to actually make to those numbers that Josh gave us, since that video was recorded is that we are now at 61 people uh, who have made Jesus their forgiver and their leader this year, and we can uh, celebrate how God is at work there. Um, Church, I hope that that, uh, those kind of decisions never grow old for us. Um, The the fact that someone would go from death in sin to life in Jesus uh, should be an exciting thing every single time. Uh, And so we are excited for how God is at work here. And if uh, you've missed any of the weeks in this series, I would encourage you to get on our podcast and to uh, catch up on that. And maybe you'd even want to listen to uh, one of our other campuses. Um, We have five physical locations, and maybe you'd want to listen to one of theirs. And if if you're new here, hopefully this series has kind of given you a behind-the-scenes look into who we are and, and into what we do. And if you Uh, Have been around Bridgewater for a while. We hope this has kind of called us back again to what is central and what is most important because these things are so important. And as Josh mentioned, this week we're going to be talking about everyone has a next step. That's our final core value that we'll be talking about today. We're going to break down what this means and again make sure that as a church and as individuals we are still pursuing this uh, as a practice and as something that we value. But before we get there, I want to ask you a question. What comes to your mind when you think of high standards? Maybe for you, uh, maybe you are that person who has high standards, and for you it makes you think of all the reasons that you should have should have high standards, and maybe just a little bit of frustration wells up in you for those who don't hold to the standards that you have. Or maybe that's not you, but you're you're not that guy, but you've been around plenty of them, and they've always kind of made you feel like they that you, like you weren't enough, or at least they felt like you weren't enough. I think that high standards have a way of sometimes making us feel like we've been told to be this perfect person, whether it's at work or at home or at church, whatever area it might be. But we all know that that's just not going to happen because we look at how we mess up and we wonder what the point of trying to keep this impossible standard is. I was raised to have some uh, pretty high standards. I was the kind of kid that uh, would get an A on something at school and would be disappointed that it wasn't 100. Like th- that kind of kid, that was me growing up. Um, and all my life I've tried to meet and I've tried to exceed every standard that I have come up against. Here's the thing about standards though, about high standards, is I think they can leave all of us feeling just a little bit hopeless. Hopeless. For the high achiever, um, it feels like they're always just a little bit out of reach. You might almost get there, but even if you do, it's like, well, then obviously I need to now set this even higher standard, and I need to uh, get to that place. And so it's this kind of this hopeless rat race of trying to have to do more and trying to have to be more. And for others of us, maybe it's not that, but it feels like it's this hopeless standard, and so why even try? What is the point of trying to meet that? And here's how this relates to our walk with Jesus and where we're going to be going this morning. I think for many of us we feel like we have been called to an impossibly high standard in following Jesus. If we are followers of Jesus, then that means that our standard is Jesus, right? And that dude's perfect. So like how am I supposed to how am I supposed to meet a standard like that? Like how am I supposed to be there? How is a broken person supposed, like me supposed to be like Jesus? Like maybe really spiritual people could get there, but how are normal people like me supposed to be there? And so this morning, my goal for us is to help us see that God does not inspect the impossible from us, and He actually meets us right where we are with grace to help us where we're at. So to get there, we're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 5. And if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn there uh, with me. And if not, we have one at the Welcome Center that we would uh, love to give to you. And Galatians, you will find in the New Testament, the second part of your Bible. It's one of the smaller letters that Paul wrote. And by the way, this morning, we're going to be start starting to use the New Living Translation as our uh, primary preaching translation. And so starting today and moving forward, um, that's where we're going to be preaching from the majority of... The time. In this letter, Paul is writing to a group of Christians who've uh, begun to believe that following Jesus meant uh, believing in the gospel, yes, but also following some of the Old Testament laws. Some teachers had come in among them and convinced them that they needed to follow the many and the complicated Old Testament laws, or at least to select few of them, if they were going to be right with God. And they, they really wanted higher standards for what it meant to follow Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter to help them. Help them understand the truth of what it means to follow Jesus, that their standing before God is based on faith in what Jesus had done for them on the cross and nothing else. They didn't need to earn it, it was given to them. So, after correcting this uh, false teaching, Paul then goes on to talk to them about how they are called to be free in Christ, but this freedom isn't meant to be a, a, an excuse to sin, but is instead uh, meant to be an, a better opportunity to serve others. And then he continues on in chapter 5, and we'll start reading in verse 16. I encourage you to follow along with me again if you have a copy of the Scriptures. If not, it'll be on the screen here as well. "'So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants.' And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So, Paul describes this kind of battle that goes on between our sinful nature, that's that sinfulness that still resides within us, even if we're followers of Jesus, and what the Spirit would lead us into, and he describes it as this conflict, and maybe you can identify with that conflict, that inner desire to follow whatever temptation uh, is leading you towards in the moment versus what you know is right, what the Spirit is leading you toward. And really, the process of becoming more like Jesus is a process of living less by the desires of the flesh and instead being guided by the Spirit into a new way of living. Paul is saying that if we want to be more like Jesus, to bear more of the fruits of the Spirit and less of the acts of the flesh, we need to let the Spirit guide us into this new way. And even though it runs counter to our logic, this is actually where we find true freedom. Because we know that the acts of the flesh, the acts of our sinful nature, that's not really what we want more of in our life. Like, who wants their life to be described by hatred, jealousy, envy? Like, is anyone saying, please sign me up for more of that in my life, right? Like, that's not the kind of life that we want. And yet, we naturally find ourselves headed in that direction so often, don't we? But God, through the Spirit, makes it possible for us to be set free from all of that and instead pursue self-control, peace, joy, kindness. Who doesn't want a life that's described by those things, right? Who doesn't want more of those things in their life? And Paul is saying that is actually possible for our lives if we will follow the Holy Spirit's, His Holy Spirit's guidance. That's where we find true freedom. It's a call to a better life. And our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus. You've already heard that a few times this morning. And a better disciple is someone who is more like Jesus. That's what it means to be a better disciple. But how do we, how do we get there? What does that look like? What does it look like to be more like Jesus? And how do we get there? Well, the big truth I want us to grasp this morning is that we become more like Jesus one step at a time. It is one step at a time. It's not all at once. We shouldn't expect ourselves to wake up tomorrow just completely like Jesus. Becoming like him is this process that happens one step at a time. Our lives aren't best described one day by that first list, those list of sins, and then the next day uh, described better by the fruits of the Spirit, right? It doesn't just like happen like that overnight. It's one step at a time. It's one change at a time. One decision to choose His way over our way at a time. One choice to please Him instead of pleasing ourselves. And after a bunch of those little steps toward Him, we look back and we realize we've made a whole ton of progress in our walk with Him. Sort of like what happens in athletics or exercise, right? If you've spent any time in those disciplines, you know that you're not going to go from a novice to a professional athlete overnight, right? Like there's a bunch of little decisions over time, over weeks, over months, over years to go from uh, brand new at something to a professional at it. Following Jesus is not some kind of one-and-done decision where you you make this decision and then you kind of just coast for the rest of your life. That's why we say following Jesus. It's a present tense action. It's a present tense decision where we are following after him. We're not perfectly like him when we come to know him in salvation, and so we begin the process of becoming like him. And so the question for us should be, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, and more like Jesus this year than I was last year. Do I see more of the fruits of the Spirit in my life now than when I first came to Jesus? The good news for us in this process is that we don't have to do it all by ourselves, and we're not left to our own strength. The Spirit is for us. The Spirit is with us, and the Spirit is going to guide us along the way if we will submit ourselves to him. You might look at that list of the fruits in the spirit in this passage and think, wow that's, that's a pretty high standard. I, I'm not sure that I could I'm not sure I could live up to that. I'm not sure that I could ever be that person and you'd be right if it wasn't for the Spirit. If it wasn't for the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, you you would be powerless to get there all on your own. And that's why the Spirit is with us and He's for us. Notice that these are fruits of, not fruits of your effort, but these are fruits of the Spirit. It's us and the Spirit working together to become more like Jesus today than we were yesterday. Other translations have the beginning of verse 16 as, "'Walk by the Spirit.'" It's kind of this idea of walking in step with the Spirit, not getting out ahead of Him and not lagging behind Him, but walking in step with the Spirit, going where He says to go wherever He guides us. My wife, Joan, and I like to uh, take walks together, and some of our earliest memories are walks together around the campus at the, the college that We went to, and now we live pretty close to a lake, and we like to to walk near that lake and just kind of talk about whatever's going on in life. It's one of our our favorite activities. We like to go on hikes, too, and uh, just kind of walk next to each other and and talk about, again, whatever's on our minds. Sometimes we process things real serious. Sometimes we're pretty silent for a while, but we just like to walk together. And in order to walk together, we have to stay at around the same speed. That might kind of seem like a no-duh statement, right? But sometimes it's uh, a little bit harder than it sounds, because sometimes I am uh, in a hurry for absolutely no reason. Uh, my wife's like, bro, you want to take a chill pill for a minute, and let's talk at, like, walk at like, a normal speed? And other times, she seems to want to speed walk, and I'd be like, why don't you take a chill pill? Or maybe we just decide that we're going to all be at a half run here. But if we're going to be walking together, we've got to stay in step with each other, right? And if we want to not be just two people who happen to be walking at the same time but half a mile apart, we've got to walk in step. And Paul is saying that we should put that same effort into staying in step with the Spirit. We don't go way out in front of Him, not listening to where He's leading, and we don't lag way far behind. We stay in step with Him. Maybe you've been trying to become more like Jesus and you've felt a little bit frustrated. You feel like you're putting in some effort, but it's not really, you're not really making forward progress. And I want to submit this morning that maybe part of the problem is that you're not walking by the Spirit. You're trying to go it on your own and you haven't taken time to invite the spirit into your efforts, to wait and listen to what he might say and where he might lead, to ask him for strength that is beyond your own, to ask him for wisdom that you couldn't even have by yourself, that you couldn't have humanly, to align your agenda with his instead of just asking him to bless your agenda, to keep in step with him, to be guided by him. In Romans, Paul talks about this battle again between the flesh and the spirit. And he says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. And so letting your sinful nature control you leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And so, in order to walk by the Spirit, we need to set our minds on what the Spirit desires. Instead of focusing on what our sinful nature is going to tell us is going satisf- to satisfy us, which is sin, right? We need to set our minds on what the Spirit says is best. And, and how would we know what the Spirit says is best? Well, there'd be two primary ways. We'd spend time talking to uh, God through listening to His Word, through reading His Word, and then through talking to Him in prayer, right? That's how we would know what the Spirit desires, what the Spirit says is best. Sort of like how I would know what my wife wants and what would make her happy. I would talk to her. I would spend time with her. If I didn't know the things that make my wife happy, you'd conclude, you probably don't talk to her very much. And we shouldn't be surprised if we don't know what the Spirit desires if we're not spending time talking with Him through the Bible and through prayer. So, how would we know if we're becoming more like Jesus, one step at a time? What would be some evidences in our life of that? Well, Paul gives us these two lists that we can kind of use as a diagnostic to see, okay, let me line up my life with these two lists and which one better describes where I am at. So, the first diagnostic question we can ask is this, are you guided by your sinful desires? Do I find my life lining more up with this list of sinful desires? Do I find a lot of hostility, quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy? Do I find that that is describing most of my life? We have to remember as we talk about this, though, that this isn't kind of a a one-strike-in-your-out kind of thing. Let's look again at verse 21, the end of that. It says this, Let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what Paul is saying is those people who continually do these things, these acts of the sinful nature, are not a part of God's family. He's not saying if you've ever done them once or uh, if you've ever committed one or two of these things, then you're just kind of done and it's over for you. What he's saying is if your life is characterized by these things then you're not making progress in becoming like Jesus. Our second diagnostic question that Paul would give us, I think, is this. Are you guided by the Holy Spirit? When you look at your life, do you see more of the fruits of the Spirit than you did last month, last year, five years ago, than when you first came to Jesus? Is there more joy Is there more love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Would the people in your life say that those things describe you more now than they did six months ago, a year ago? Would your spouse say that you are more loving and patient than you were at maybe even the beginning of this year? If you've been with us for a while, you might remember that we started out this year looking at those uh, fruits of the Spirit, and we had some wallpapers to remind us this year as we go forward that these are things that really should describe us as followers of Jesus. And I want to remind us again, this is one step at a time. You don't go from anger and rage to peace and patience and kindness all in one step, right? You don't go from being described from being just totally full of uh, anger one day and kindness the next. It's one step at a time. And some days it's going to feel like you're taking two steps forward and five steps back. I get that. It's part of the process. The key is to keep getting up, to keep confessing, to keep coming back, and keep trying to move forward forward. It's one step at a time, and all of a sudden we'll look back and realize that there's all this life change that's taken place in our lives. We believe at Bridgewater that everybody has a next step. This means that everyone from the most mature Christian to someone who's not even a follower of Jesus yet has a step to take in becoming more like Jesus. Jesus. We all have room to grow in becoming what Christ calls us to, and if everyone has the next step, that means that we should never be totally comfortable, right? If we feel like we have arrived in our relationship with God, then we're probably actually in a dangerous place, the Bible would say, because we all have room to grow in becoming more like Jesus. If we feel settled or comfortable, then that's a dangerous place to be. We all have room to grow in becoming more like Him. Too often Christians are known for being people who just expect perfection from people and maybe even who look down our noses at others who haven't made as much progress as we think that we have. We ought to instead be people who are cheering people on who make any kind of progress toward Jesus, no matter how small it might be. Around here, what we try to do is we try to celebrate any positive movement toward God. That doesn't mean that we justify or that we ignore all the other things that still need to be dealt with, but that we have patience and we have grace with uh, weaknesses, with blind spots, just like Jesus has with us in our blind spots and in our weaknesses, and in those things that we still need to grow in. We should have that same grace for others in their walk with God. Everyone has a next step. This value is something that shapes how we preach. We're constantly trying to take the Word of God and present to you what is your next step, what is the the next thing that you need to do in following Him. It shapes our small groups. Small groups are one of the best places for you to take your next step because with the people, uh, a group of people around you that know you and who love you, they can give you uh, accountability and make sure that you're actually taking that step. They can help you find what it is and say, oh, you know, here's some things that you could try or here's how, what I did when I was there. Let me pray for you. They can be such an encouragement to us as we take those steps. This value shapes our kids and our students' ministries. We're constantly trying to push the next generation to take their next step toward Jesus. Everyone has a next step. We all have room to grow, and we do that one step at a time. And so again, as we said, for the follower of Jesus, the standard is Jesus, and that's a pretty high standard. It's a high calling. But we get supernatural help along the way. We're not left to our own. The Spirit is with us every step of the journey. God doesn't call us to something without giving us what we need to get there. And that thing that we need is the Spirit, and He's constantly with us if we'll only look to Him for guidance instead of just trying to go it on our own gives us the Spirit to help us when we're weak and to direct us when we don't know where to go and what to do. All we need to do is keep in step with Him, one step at a time. We don't need to worry about where it's going to ultimately lead. We just need to follow where the Spirit is leading next. One of the things I like to say to, to my wife or to people when they are struggling with something about like what they need to do next, what I, what I try to say is, what's the next right thing you need to do? Don't, don't worry about 15 steps down the road. What's the next right thing that you need to do? So what is our next step in following Jesus? And so as we wrap up today, that's our question for you, is what, what is your next step? What is the Spirit calling you into next? On the chair back in front of you, there's a, a next steps card, or maybe on your seat if you're towards the front. And I encourage you to just grab that real quick and take a look at it. On here are listed some areas that you could get involved with serving here. If you're not serving now, or, or maybe you don't uh, feel like maybe you could be doing something different or something more, what I would encourage you to do is fill out this card and take it back to our Welcome Center today. On there, again, are listed some various areas you could serve, and those are, again, more the official, if you will. That doesn't mean that there's no other uh, places to serve, but those are some of the more official lists. and. There's all kinds of ways to serve here, from people who have the spiritual gift of baking, and I'm very thankful for those people um, who want to bless others by making stuff for our cafe. Um, We try to have snacks back there every Sunday, and uh, by the way, we are looking for more of said people, and if that is you, uh, please see Megan White or myself, and I'll point you to Megan White, um, because we could use some help in that area, to things like working the computer in the back, to teaching children, to hosting a small group, um, all over the place we have areas that you could serve. We have our open house next week, and uh, we still need some, some people to serve at that. And so if, that, if you'd like to do that, you can mark that on that card again and uh, leave it at our welcome center. No matter what your gifting might be, I think God has a way to use them here at Bridgewater. And I think we actually have some things coming up in the next week that uh, are a great opportunity for you to take your next step. Our small groups are starting up this week. That's why I'm wearing this t-shirt yet uh, again. And um, small groups, again, are such a great place for you to take a next step. But if you've never been uh, a part of a small group, I would highly, highly encourage you just to try it out this week and see if God doesn't do something incredible in your life as you grow and learn with some other people. There's a, a table out there with some sign-ups. And again, we, we just highly encourage you to take your next step and be a part of of that. If you're a student, as we talked about, our student ministry kicks off today here uh, from four to six, and uh, maybe you've never come, or maybe you've come but not consistently, I encourage you to take your next step and be here with other people your age and and leaders who want to help you as you follow Jesus. And then next week is our open house, and we're going to have uh, food and Mario-themed fun for the whole family. And this is a great opportunity for you to invite some friends who need to hear the good news of Jesus. Take those uh, invite cards that were on the chair this morning and say, hey, we're going to have some free food. We're going to have some Mario fun. Please join us this next week no matter where they are on their spiritual journey, we're excited to share how Jesus loves them and how each of us can have a fresh start and new starting point. Next week, we're gonna be starting a series called Starting Point. And we think that all of us probably need a fresh start in our faith. And so no matter what our spiritual background is, we think this series is gonna be incredibly, incredibly beneficial. And so we encourage you to be there and to bring your friends because we all need a fresh start sometimes in faith. So what might your next step be? I'd encourage you to follow the Spirit into it as we all are looking to become more like Jesus. The Spirit is with us, the Spirit is for us, and He guides us along the way. So let us be a people who follow Him. We pray as we uh, wrap up our service. Father, we are thankful for You, thankful for Your Word. We're thankful that you are a God who does not call us to impossible things. We thank you that you are a God who does not inspect the impossible from us and who does not call us to go somewhere where you have not already been. That you are out in front of us and you are leading us. And you don't just lead us, leave us on our own. You're with us. In your forest. God, I pray that we would be a people who are constantly walking in step with you, that we wouldn't lag behind, that we wouldn't try to run ahead, that we wouldn't just ignore your leading, but that we'd actually lean into what you are doing. We wouldn't run away from it. And God, sometimes what you're doing, it feels a little bit uncomfortable for us. Father, I pray that we would lean into it anyway because we know that that is what is best and we know that you love us and we know that you're doing something good even in the middle of what might feel uncomfortable for us in the moment. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus that he was willing to pursue us when we were far from you that He gave up His very life so that we could have a restored relationship with You, and now we have the power to actually become like Him through the Spirit. Father, let us be a people who follow hard after You and who walk in step with the Spirit. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.